welcome to Bad Thought Therapy. It has been another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is cloudy outside, but you know if you've tuned in to Bad Thought Therapy that we create the sunshine. It's not about what is happening on the outside. It's all about what is happening on the inside. And I'm super excited. Um, I wanted to expand my audience a little bit and I want to get on YouTube and I'm working on some things. It is very involved, but so I didn't, I want to do this episode on YouTube and eventually I will, but I just wanted to take a few moments to speak from my heart as I'm led to do. Um, I live with my eyes wide open and when I see things in the world, the first thing I think of is that God is using some people as a mirror. And don't ever forget that sometimes we see people doing things, saying things, and really those people are a mirror for us because we do the same things or we have done the same things. And it's a learning opportunity not to be judgmental in a negative way. I always teach my students that judgment is something that you need to have. You need to, before you, like we go to the grocery store, and we buy fruit, most of the time we inspect that fruit or vegetable, and that is judgment. It's bad judgment and there's good judgment. And so we want to stay away from bad judgment where we put people down and we criticize people without understanding all the circumstances and details. And that is prejudgment. And that's always the bad kind of judgment. But sometimes you see things and it is fruit. It is their actions and their words are fruit. And we need to inspect that and we need to be mindful of that. But we don't need to be critical. We need to take the life lessons from it and move forward. So I, I was led to do this one because I've been there. <laughs> I'm calling this one from whining to winning. From whining to winning. When I say whining, I'm talking about the crying. I'm talking about the woe is me you know, all these problems. And I have been there. I've been in different stages of my life. And there are moments when I was dealing with a situation or circumstance. And all I wanted to do was just sort of lament the problem. And what I learned is that that does not solve anything. And it does not improve anything. It does not help anybody. It, it just is not positive. And what happens is you kind of get stuck and you waddle in the problem. And yes, sometimes when we're going through a difficult moment or circumstance or whatever, we just kind of want to get it out of us. I can tell you that the people who are listening, they really don't want to hear it. If they hear it once, they don't want to hear it again. And this is why it's so important to have a relationship with God. Not using God as just always a sounding board and where we just kind of dump on God. Um, because we don't need to do that either. I don't care if he is God. I, I still say that we need to send more praises up than we do complaints and um, lamenting. But we want to get it out. And I get it because that's our human nature. We have to move beyond the whining stage and so that we can win. And if you just whine, 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 and you cry and you lament, you're not going to grow and you can't constructively change the situation because we can, we do have the power to change with God's help, with 
God's help, we have the power to transform the negative into the positive. And, but we, we can't do it alone. And we have to have a mindset that, okay, we're going to get it out. We're going to let our emotions flow for a minute. And then we're going to leave it there. So what inspired me to do this, you know, again, I live with my eyes wide open. And I watch podcasters, too. I listen to people. I'm always trying to learn, listen to ministers, you know, different podcasters. And many times I'm blessed because what it does for me a lot of times we never think about the other side. Like we might have our view and our mindset and our perspective. But when you listen to other people, what happens is you get to see another perspective and you get to think about and reflect about your own. So I was I was watching a particular person. And this person has gone through a lot. And he shared that he has had a counselor for years. And his trauma is no secret because he has been very open with it. But I thought to myself, I just seen, and I got to do a whole podcast on her. I just saw the Ella Fitzgerald documentary on Netflix. I wasn't really going to see it, even though I'm a huge Ella Fitzgerald fan. But I just, I don't know why I just wasn't, I hadn't planned on seeing it. But when I saw that it was going to be um, coming off of Netflix soon, and I like that feature that they have. They tell you what's leaving soon so you can catch it. So I went on ahead and I watched it. And what is amazing about Ella Fitzgerald is that she had a very tumultuous, uh, very stressful uh, beginning of her life. Her childhood was filled with trauma, filled with trauma. Her mother died when she was young. She went to live with relatives. Not much is known about everything that happened there. But we do know is that she ended up up being in a... um, like a reform school, some kind of reform school, religious reform school. And it must have been so bad. Well, first of all, she ran away from her relatives' homes. After her mother died and she moved in with a aunt or somebody, she ended up running away from there. So that must have been bad. Then when she got to this reform school, it must have been bad. And 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 I think the biography, and I almost want to watch it again, something must have happened. There's always an exigence. There's always something that prompts someone to say something or do something. And so she ended up running away from this reform school and lived on the streets. And you know what's interesting? Um, there are some people who will not allow themselves to be abused. There are some people that just will not take bad situations. <laughs> And I admire this and I get fuel from this because I remember years ago I watched this movie and I tell I used to show it to my students. It was called um Wow, why am I shooting a blank? Um Wow, I just shot a blank. Anyway, it's about a girl to come to me and she makes a decision that she is not going to let her mother prostitute her. And the way that they do the movie it doesn't do it doesn't because it's a movie like I think it's PG-13 it might even be PG you know that it's suggested but it's not it the movie is is really appropriate for younger people to watch because the suggestion is there and they sort of indirectly allow you to make that inference and deduction that okay this is what the mother was going to do the girl finds herself pregnant her mother's trying to get her to do something and all you know is she runs away and so from this um, 
what is the name of that movie? Lord, I am shooting a blank. I don't know what happened. But anyway, the movie is powerful because every time her back is against the wall, she makes a decision that she's not going to be tortured in pain. And, and Ella Fitzgerald must have been that same kind of personality. And I believe now more than ever, I used to not believe it, that that is a result of how you're born. Because my daughter used to always tell me this years ago, before she even got her degree in psychology, she used to, she used to say, Mom, you were born a certain way. And um, and now I'm sort of in, I've embraced that because I used to go back and forth. Is it all nurture? No, some of it's nature. And some people, they can only take so much and they're not going to allow themselves to be tortured. They make the decision that they will suffer with peace than to be tortured and be in a chaotic environment. And some of us are like that. And so, and, and that's hard for some people because some people want you just grin and bear. That's, a, that's something that people teach us, grin and bear. And there's a time to endure. I've learned the hard way that sometimes you do have to endure. You just have to endure. But there are other times you have to, you have to run away, you have to walk away, you have to get away. So anyway, Ella Fitzgerald, she leaves. What's deep about it is Ella Fitzgerald never talks about whatever happened to her in that reform school. She never, it, was, it must have been something really big. They've hinted at some things. It probably was sexual assault, probably. I'm just, you know, I don't, you know, it must have been real bad, physical or sexual. But for her to leave and to live on the streets and suffer. Now, the blessing is she never turned to drugs. She didn't turn to prostitution. But life was hard for her. And one day, and I didn't even know this, I knew the story about her going to the Apollo. She went in to perform, but she wanted to be a dancer. But she, when she got in there, you know, they started booing or whatever. She just started singing. Here's the thing that I never do is that she was in a dirty dress. And she was just basically straight off the streets. And so in the documentary, the lady reveals, and I'm leading up to something, the lady reveals, can you believe there was a dancer who was from Ella Fitzgerald's time and she had, you know, lived long and she was saying that, can you believe we booed Ella Fitzgerald? But this is what's deep. Ella Fitzgerald never whined about what happened to her. She never, she doesn't talk about her childhood. She doesn't talk about her childhood trauma. She doesn't, you know, she, she just moves forward and she went through a lot, you know, just marriage and divorce, um, not being able to have children, which I surmise that it had something to do with some things that happened to her earlier in her childhood. Um, but she makes a choice that throughout her life, she doesn't really deal with it like that, deal with it publicly. She might have had her private struggles and cries, and I do believe she was a woman of great faith. I don't think you can overcome things the way you do and by her not talking, maybe it gave her time. This is what I'm learning. The less you talk, the more you can mentally sort through things. Because if you're just talking about it and it's mindless and you're in your pain, how do you begin to grow and get in that quiet place and learn how to use all that? So I just want to encourage people because we've all been there. I've been there myself. And it's easy to complain. But we, I believe that God wants us to move from whining and crying and talking about problems all the time. And some people, 
whine and talk about problems and you're wondering wow you have everything this one particular podcaster that I watch on YouTube he has almost a half a million subscribers to his channel that would be really ideal most people would want to have subscribers and if they want to be a podcaster they want to have an influence right but I will hear him and this is what made me just unsubscribe he would just whine about not being invited to different um, podcasters I'm thinking wow you already have a half a million and you you complaining about not being invited to certain platforms when you haven't invited anybody to your platform that I know of. maybe he did because I don't know everything and I don't watch everything but I'm thinking to myself you're crying and then if someone deviates from what he wants to hear if someone responds in a way that doesn't align with what he thinks they should respond or they're critical of him he will just kind of go off and it's negative it's not like he will ignore or he will address it in a very constructive way I said God this is a grown man and he sounds because you know I teach teens so you know I know I hear a teenager the cries of a teenager because I I teach children I'm thinking this person is acting very juvenile right now very adolescent right now and yet he will constantly talk about grown boys and I thought this you know and I feel bad I pray for people I feel bad but then it made me wonder you know I've done that you know just crying out for no reason so we have to get better than that because that does not solve anything so when you're having a problem yes you want to get if it's an emotional moment get it out I say it's better to get it out privately with God because he's the only one that can really solve the problem he's the only one that can help you those moments of release are powerful but I don't know if it's a good thing to release it to people because people are not able to really resolve those problems. You know, there's no rule that don't tell your problems to anybody that can't solve them. So really, if I'm going through something on my job, I mean, I could get it out just to release because I know I'm, I work in education and there are other people that work in education and they can relate. So we could have a great time, <laughs> you know, just talking about this. And, and I do that from time to time. But it doesn't solve anything. At the end of the day, it doesn't solve anything. And so recently I caught myself, you know, so grateful that I was able to transition from my business to in the classroom doing something that I love, doing something that is not necessarily hard for me. My job now is not easy because it's a very different situation than I've ever been in. But it's not bad. I can't I can't say, oh, it's a bad situation any of that but there are but I do miss my business in there and I, I think for me it's not even about teaching or anything it's just that I'm just tired I've done this for a long long time what I've learned though as I reflect on my experiences is that the challenges motivate me to number one be creative and I want to encourage you and to position my to plan for something different like now just recently I started saying you know what this is a great time for me to try to save more money because you know rather than you know just focus on the benefits okay I, maybe I can since I do have you know a stable job and, and I'm working it's time for me to save it's time for me to use my job and everybody is different to use it because of how I, my schedule is to use it to be creative to do other things that can lead to a different kind of opportunity for me where I have more freedom 
and I can, can, can do some of the things that I'm really passionate about because I have worked. I've been working since I was a teen. So I start thinking, you know, so you have to use, you know, use these experiences and whining. And so this one person, what really led me to do this was, again, this one person, very well known, probably nationally known, maybe internationally known. And he has had a lot of trauma. And I thought, he's talking about it as if it's just fresh. It's just fresh. And I get it. I get it because I have been there. But at a certain point, you have to realize when you talk about the problem or the trauma or the issue, all you do is feed that. So it's just like pouring water onto the trauma. Anything you feed will grow. So if you give your attention and your time and energy to the trauma or the person or the issue, all that does is amplify the less you talk about that person and the less you talk about that problem, the less and your mind is focused on being creative, um, like I said, doing things that, you know, set you up, make a plan to do something different that will set you up for a better position. That is what you feed and that is what grows. Your creativity grows. Your other projects, you put energy into that. And so I know what it's like, you know, you, you have this person and they're, you know, they're kind of always in your life. They have an influence on your life and you can't do anything about what they do, but you can do something about how you respond or your situation on your job. This is a big one for a lot of people. They go to work and even when you work for yourself, it, you can't escape this. They're always going to be challenging. And I don't know why God sets, you know, God sets up life like that. But it's just not easy, breezy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> you know, it's just not. And so what you have to do is you, first of all, you have to always learn how to focus on solutions. Use that energy and time, not lamenting about the problem and what's wrong and what's, you know, whatever. For me, and I'm going to give you an example. Really, I'm going to give you a real example. Um, but then focus on solutions and how you can be a part of the solutions or be an advocate for change and it just gives you a sort of strength and it gives you a renewed sense of energy so in my job as an educator um, I've been trying to write my memoir for probably the last seven years I've been it's been long, a little bit longer than that but I mean, that 10 years maybe anywhere from 10 to 12 years I've been I, I decided then I would write a memoir about my experiences as a teacher and what motivated me was, you know, there's not a, there are not a lot of African American educators who write their story. In my book, I wanted to be not like an expose, but more like, well, it will expose some things that most people, lay people, don't know. Because if you're not in a school, you have no idea how a school is run. You have no idea about the things that we go through. And by the way, I just thought the name of that movie is called "Give Me Shelter." Give me shelter. And I know there are a couple of movies with that title, but Gimme Shelter is about this teenage girl who runs away. But Abbott Elementary, and I'm really happy with Abbott, it really does reveal a lot about what happens at an inner city school. So my book is all about, you know, these problems that happen and then solutions. One of the things that I'm motivated by because of my experiences is to start being an advocate for education and teachers. So there's one particular issue that I'm really big on because I want to be a highly effective teacher. And what pe most people don't know is that 
in order for you to teach, you you know, to be a highly effective teacher, you need a planning period, a free, a meeting-free planning period every day. Well, teachers don't get that. You may get it sometimes, sometimes you're not. So when I realize how much I need that to be highly effective, and I'm not getting that all the time, and this is something I need, I don't have to be mad at anybody. I don't have to lament. I've been telling other teachers, don't lament. Write your book. I'm getting ready to be an advocate. And I don't know, and, and I may not be able to jump into advocacy now. I haven't even gone to my principal and said, hey, you know, could you, this may be something you never thought of. It could be different. Could we have a meeting-free planning period every day and just to see how, even though our test scores are not necessarily the worst, they could go up even higher, blah, blah, blah. So I haven't done that yet. <clears throat> but I said, you know what, I got to start now. I got to start being an advocate. What I'm saying is I use that problem, the problem of my frustration, because I want to be a highly effective teacher and I know that I have to plan. I need the time to do it and I really can't do a lot of that outside of school like I used to. So I need time in school to do that. Um, And if we don't have that, what I need to do is advocate for that. I could complain and complain and complain and it's not going to change anything. And it's the same thing with anything. Whatever your problem is, rather than crying and whining about it, you have to make a decision. What could you do to be a part of the solution? And that's what I need to do. And then, you know, I've, you know, I encourage people not. There was one person, I've known her for a long time, very good teacher. I mean, a master teacher was my daughter's teacher. And, you know, she was kind of thinking, ah, maybe I'm going to retire. I was like, oh, please try to work longer. Like, don't mess up your money. And what it does is when you have these issues, what it made me start to do, and I did this before when I was coming, I started saving my money. It's like, okay, now I got to get real financially responsible. I already had some business debt. Now I know I got to take things to a new level because if if I do want to leave and I do want to explore, go back to my business, do something different, I need to be in a better fight. It motivates you. What I'm saying is some of these problems can motivate you. We get, you know, and I, if I could speak to that person that has been all over the media talking about his trauma and something new, new revelation came, I would encourage him to stop talking about it. I really would. And start a foundation or something to help people, but stop talking about it because the more you talk about it, the all it does is it reopens wounds and it and I and again I've been there. I'm not judging it in a negative way because I have been there. Let me tell you, I was in a relationship and I loved this man with all my heart, mind, soul, by everything. In fact, the only man I ever loved. And when there were problems, you know, I always looked at it from one side, not from what I was doing or what I was allowing to be done. I would always, in the beginning, you know, when I was younger and immature emotionally and spiritually, I would just kind of talk about the other person. But at a certain point in my journey, as I began to cry out to God for healing and to to let go, God started to show me, you know what, this person never put a gun to your head. This person never put a knife to your throat. You allowed this person to do everything he did that you think was so bad. Guess what? You allowed it to happen. It would not have happened. And even then, God took it a step further. Even if he had had a gun in your your, your head or knife your throat, you could have still said, I'm not taking it. I'm getting out. And you could have trusted me, blah, blah, blah. 
And so when I shifted, the point I'm trying to make is when I shifted the focus, not on this person, and I put it all on me, that's when my healing journey began. And even now, when I have flashbacks of things, because some things, you know, I've told my daughter some things, some things, some things I haven't even ever shared with anybody that happened in that relationship. I do have my moments when I have like bad flashbacks or really bad moments, but it always comes back to me. It doesn't, even though I might remember, okay, this person did this or that, what I think about, wow, I took that and it showed me how, and I I joke about this, but it's really not funny. I would always say, you know, I didn't have any self-esteem. I had low self-esteem, but the truth is I had no self-esteem. I did not see myself worthy of being treated with respect and dignity. So, you know, if you let a person mistreat you, they're going to be mistreating you. But the point I'm trying to make, healing can only begin when I took full ownership. Not about what people do to you and what they say. And this is just life. Some people just aren't going to love you back or they're not going to like you. And you, you can't cry about it. You can't, you know, you can't just lament and whine about all the stuff they did or didn't do. You have, and then another thing is, especially with people of faith, if you believe in God, you got to understand, God knew everything that was happening. If God didn't intervene and he didn't cut it off and he didn't just, you know, do something, then God allowed it to happen, then there, then you got to go to him about this. And that's what I've done in other things in my life. I go to God and seek answers because the people, it's really not about the people. God knew and he ordained certain things and some things were in his permissive will. But if he got you out and like this person who was crying, but I was thinking, wow, you're successful. And I know he might say, well, I'm successful in my profession, but I'm not successful. But you could be successful emotionally. You could stop talking about this. And Ella Fitzgerald was the one, her story made me think, wow, this lady never, you can't find an interview where she was on there talking about her childhood. She was talking about some kind of trauma that she went through. She put all her attention into something else. And you do have to deal with it. I'm not telling anybody, okay, don't deny and say no. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't deal with it. But once you deal with it, how many times are you going to deal with it? How many times are you going to dig up the, 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 the body? You're going to dig up this dead problem because it's dead. It's no life in it. How many times are you going to dig it up? You have to stop. And you can't let other people also bring it up. And you have to say, you know what? That is my past. That's something that happened long ago. I remember years ago when the red light is about to come on, I saw an interview with Maya Angelou. And she was at the end of her life. She had It just had to be like about maybe five years or less before she passed away. And the, the interviewer, this guy, brought up her past when she was a madam or something like that. And that is, I just, I could just watch it a thousand times. She got kind of silent, quiet for a second. And she said something like, I wish I could remember exactly what she said. And I'm like, thank God for grace. I'm not, you know, that was my old self or something. Like, that's the past. But she didn't get mad. She didn't do a Chris Brown or anybody and throw something out the window. She dealt with you like, you know, thank God, goodness, I'm not there anymore. Something along that line. But it was done so beautifully and with grace powerful life lesson there stop 
whining about your trauma. Stop whining about the people and the circumstances that are perfect and the way you think they ought to be. And when there is a problem, spend all your time and your energy trying to be a solution or putting solutions out there, not just for yourself, but for other people. We have to be the change we want to see in the world. And like I said on my job, this is what I realized. I said, God, why am I back in this classroom? And God said, you know what? Until you write that memoir, you're not leaving. You're not leaving until you... So he's given me some more materials, some more things to address, not to talk about anybody, but to offer solutions. Now I can understand problems in this, you know, these same problems have existed. Okay, now I can offer more of solutions. And that's what it's all about. Your experiences are here to grow you, to help you, to make you more compassionate, to make you a better human being, to um, give you more insight. All of it's all good. Don't cry about it. Don't whine. Become a winner by doing something and using all that and using it for good. Well, the red light is on. Beautiful people, I thank God for you. Peace and abundant blessings to you and your families. Take care.